Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 3rd and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball. This is your host, joined by your co-host, Aaron Turner. Aaron, it's been a little while since we met, and I think the last time we talked was right after Louisville got eliminated down in College Station by Texas A&M. So, got a lot to catch up on, summer ball stuff. We've got our first big guest on that we've kind of alluded to the past couple episodes but before we dive into that how are things going your way out in st louis i am fantastic drafts coming up summer balls in full swing only issue is it's really hot right now <laughs> how are you doing i'm good but i'm with you the humidity right now is just really aggressive i think the heat index the past couple of days here outside of louisville has been over 100 degrees and i'm just ready for all of this to be over with. Um, I don't know about you, how bad it is out that way, but it has been miserable here. Yeah, it's about the same here. Yeah. Anyways, let's go ahead and dive into this. Like I said, Aaron and I have talked the past couple episodes about this summer, how we're going to have plenty of guests on. And our first guest that we've got coming on later this episode is, in my opinion, a slam dunk. I mean, Luke Smith, when you look over the previous Louisville players there's not a guy that plays with more emotion than Luke did on the mound and I think he's really really going to deliver if you've ever heard him speak before you know he's just when he gets behind the microphone he's a guy you can just give him a topic and he will just talk and talk so really excited about having Luke on and bringing him to the podcast so before we kind of jump into that we want to talk about summer ball this is a big thing obviously in college baseball and I've gotten a lot of questions about how summer ball works. So before we dive into it, just kind of break that down a little bit, how it works is you've got all these college players that obviously have to play baseball throughout the summer. So you've got the college coaches for Louisville coach McDonald. He works with the managers of these summer leagues and independent leagues that play throughout the summer. And he says, Hey, I've got XYZ player. I think they can play in this league because of their skill set." They're gonna. They need to work on this this summer. I think they'll be good. I think they'll be valuable to your summer league team. So, college players go out and they play summer ball based on where their college coach gets them an assignment. Some of them like to go closer to home for the summer if it's something that they, you know, they miss home. If it's a freshman, they need to spend a little bit of time back at home. So they, they'll. I think we've got one that's down in Florida this year because he's a freshman. So he went down that way. Most of the time they go up to the Northeast, the better ones, they go up to Cape Cod, which we'll dive into in a few minutes. But the two big ones this year are Jack Payton and Christian Napchik because they received an invite to the USA Baseball Collegiate National Team. The way that works is 51 players get invited. This year they went to Charlotte. They split the 51 players up into two teams. I think they were called Stars and Stripes, if I'm not mistaken. 
They play five game inter squad scrimmage. And basically, the coaches that are there are some of the best around the country. This year, they're the head coaches, Coach Bianco from Ole Miss, who just won the national championship, Scott Brown, the pitching coach down at Vandy, Cliff Godwin from ECU, and Josh Holiday from Oklahoma State. Those are the, actually the coaches on staff, but other coaches were there, like Coach Mack. He was down there this past week during the tryouts and everything, too. So those two got invited. Uh, today, it was announced that Jack Payton actually made the team, so he's going to travel with the USA collegiate national team, they'll play probably 15, 20 games. They're going to the Netherlands July 8th through the 15th. They'll play a couple friendlies with Japan. They just travel all over the country and play games against players their age. And just a huge honor for Jack Payton. A couple players from Louisville have made it in the past, but it's a big honor for him. And he will get a lot of experience this summer playing for the USA national team. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. What a huge honor. And, you know, it's really fun to be able to, you know, cover a school that has that caliber of a baseball player. And, you know, Christian Napchik, too, even though he will not be traveling with the team, it's still a huge honor to be able to receive that invite. And, you know, Napchik, unfortunately, plays shortstop. There are a lot of elite college shortstops. And, you know, Napchik, he's, he's still hitting those scrimmages, too, you know. But, you know, it's just – just a hard team to break in with. And there are a lot of elite level college baseball players who are going to be on that team. So it's definitely stacked. Yeah. It's the best of the best. You know, when you've got in the players that are invited, they are not draft eligible So the best college players across the country that are not eligibly drafted this year, because they're going to hear their name called shortly and head on their way to pro ball. But some of these guys just looking up and down the list, Enrique Bradfield from, Vandy, Dylan Cruz from LSU, Joseph Gonzalez from Auburn, Jack Hurley from Virginia Tech, Rhett Louder from Wake Forest. He's just a dude on the mound. Yohandi Morales from Miami, Trey Morgan from LSU. It's, I mean, just looking up down the roster, it's just one after another, all 26 of them. And they're, they're just the best players in the country. So excited to see Jack Payton make the team. And I think the exposure and the growth that he's going to see from making this team going into next season is going to be huge for Louisville next fall. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with all those names you listed off, I cannot even believe that there are countries that think they can even compete with that. <laughs> I wish more of the games were, you know, accessible to watch on TV. I hope they are, but typically they're difficult to find. But anyways, if you can catch those coming up, like I said, he'll be playing in the Netherlands the July 8th through the 15th. So try to catch those if you can. And the guys that are staying here, we're going to talk about Summer Ball League, and we're going to focus on Cape Cod because there's just too many guys if we went over the whole roster because they pretty much all go play somewhere during the summer. But Cape Cod this year, that is the premier Summer Ball League. It's played up in the Northeast. They It's a wooden bat league. It's the best of the best. That's where the best college non-draft eligible players go. And this year, like I said, Louisville's got nine up there. Um, Cade Grundy. Carson Liggett, Caleb Corbett, Jack Payton, but he's obviously with the USA national team, Logan Beard, Isaac Humphrey, Alex Galvan, Christian Napchik. He'll probably join soon, and then Will Coger. So a lot of guys, a lot of a lot of arms that are up there, and I think they're going to um, see a lot of growth over this summer, just getting the exposure to play with. Like I said, I mean, outside of the USA national team, these are the best of the best players. If you're – 
looking for a summer ball league, the Cape Cod is where you want to be. And with the Louisville roster, just kind of going down, who, like I said, we've got Logan Beard. He's on the Bourne Braves. I think they actually may have won the Cape last year. He's struggling a little bit right now, batting 238, two doubles and an RBI. Humphrey, he's batting 290 with three RBI. One thing to remember about these numbers, the, the batting numbers, they batting averages, home runs, it's, it's always typically a little bit lower because these guys go from playing with an aluminum bat during the season to playing with a wooden bat during the summer. So the averages, home runs, RBIs, they're typically a little bit lower just because there's a big adjustment going from a aluminum bat to a wood bat. Caleb Corbett actually – Went up to the Cape Cod this year, like I said, even though he struggled this season. A lot of these assignments are done before college ball starts. But Corbett, he's struggling up there. ERA just under 17. You know, he's a guy that had a dominant freshman year. Love to see him come back next year and bounce back. But he he, he struggled on the mound this year, and he's uh, he's having a tough time at Cape Cod this summer. So I hope he gets it together. Um, Galvan, probably one of the best arms we've seen up there. He... He's a 2.25 ERA, uh, one save and four appearances. I think he's a live arm that we are going to become accustomed to seeing a lot next year. And then the one that I'm most excited about is probably Cade Grundy. He's gotten a couple starts up there, which I'm excited about because I think Grundy is a guy that could work his way into the rotation next spring. In his two starts, he's got nine innings, 11 strikeouts, and an ERA of three. So I think he is a guy from Somerset that I think we will be hearing for the next couple of years out of third and central up there in Louisville. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on both Grundy and Galvan. I, I think you know, Galvan in particular, I think we could see in the back end of the bullpen next year, definitely has a good chance to be uh, next year's closer, which I am a, I'm a big fan of that. I've been a big fan of Galvan for a while now. And one more note I want to make on the batters. You're going to hear a lot of times you know, when you go to Cape Cod, it is completely normal for you to hit, you know, 50 to 75 points below, you know, what you would normally hit during a college season or, or in another league. Like you said, with the adjustment with a wood bat and just the competition that's up there is crazy good. And so there, it's definitely a big learning curve. So don't read too much into the numbers. No, I agree with that 100%. You know, the, you kind of look up and down the stats, and you're like, whoa, what is going on up here? Nobody's hitting the ball. And then then you realize, you know, like you said, the competition, it's the best of the best in college. And then just the wooden bats. It's 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 a, a different, just a different feel. Most of these guys have probably never hit with a wooden bat in live action. So it's just it's just a, a change. It's something new, and they're going to have to get used to it if they go play professionally. But it's not something they have done prior to the Cape Cod this summer. Yeah, that, that's for sure. And so I want to move on with to a couple more arms that are currently in the Cape. Uh, Will Coger is playing for the Wareham Gateman. Uh, really good numbers so far for Coger. I'm, I'm very happy with what we've seen. He's thrown eight and two-thirds innings with a 1.04 ERA, five hits to four walks and seven strikeouts. I think the big thing I'm going to be looking for in Koger is just limiting those walks. We saw uh, he was very erratic this season uh, in the action that he did see. One of those freshmen who definitely got thrown into the fire quickly in ACC ball, I think might have been a little bit overwhelmed. So it's good to see him putting up some good numbers in the Cape. And 
another pitcher that I am really excited about, I think could have a big impact on next year's team is Carson Liggett playing with the Brewster Whitecaps. So far he's played, or sorry, he's pitched in six and two thirds innings with a 1.35 ERA, two hits, zero walks and six strikeouts. I'm a big, big Carson Liggett guy. Uh, like you said, with Kay Grundy, he definitely has a chance to step into the rotation next year. I think that Liggett also has a legitimate shot at a weekend rotation spot. And so for Liggett to step in as a freshman going into his sophomore year and put up those big numbers in the Cape is really fun to see. Yeah, I think you're spot on with Liggett and Coger both. Liggett, I think, is a guy, like you said, he he has a chance to be in the rotation. I mean, he started a couple weekend series this year, so I don't. I, I think he's definitely a guy that is going to be in the running next season. I love love his game, love what he brings to the mound. And Coger, he's a guy that, like you said, he was just kind of thrown out there early because the way this roster was this year and the way the pitching staff was, he just he just he was one of the guys that. It was unfortunate, but he was thrown into a situation that may have been too early for him. I think he can bounce back. His numbers in the Cape look good so far this year, so definitely excited about that. We'll jump into some of the other guys in the next episodes because you've got we've got a few guys in the Northwoods League, the NECBL, MLB Draft League, Perfect Game League, Florida CSL Prospect League. There's there's summer league all over the country they're they're tough to keep up with to be honest with you so we'll this the we want to break down the cape tonight just because that's really the best of the best that's where the cream of the crop went was up to the northeast part of the united states so wanted to touch on that but we will jump into some of the other players as we progress throughout the summer just to keep an update on how everybody is doing so outside of that i'm going to turn things over to aaron so he can give us a pro ball update i know there's been a lot going on and with the past couple episodes we focused more on the current team so we haven't gotten to dive into that so aaron kind of tell us what the what's going on with some of the cards and the pros lately yeah it's been a while since we've talked about the pros uh, it was before the acc tournament that we did a pro ball update so i'm gonna just quickly just fire off uh, some things that we haven't really talked about much since since before the acc tournament uh, so probably the most recent news is the MLB All-Star voting. Adam Duvall has been named an, a- an NL All-Star finalist for the outfield. Uh, good work from Louisville fans and Braves fans to get him there. And one guy who was definitely snubbed was Will Smith. I am not too pleased uh, not seeing Will Smith. I definitely think that he should be number one. You know, Removing all bias, I do think that he's the best catcher in the National League. Um, so... I do think that there could be an opportunity to still get Will Smith into the All-Star game. Uh, make sure that you follow the alumni account because he could be a last five in, and I'm going to be pushing pretty hard for uh, Smith to get voted in. That's because I'm pretty disappointed that he's not there right now. And uh, let's see. We have an injury update on Kyle Funkhauser. Funkhauser's been out all season, missing from the Tigers' bullpen uh, with a lat issue. Looks like he'll be coming back after the All-Star break. He's about to get some work off the mound, which is awesome to see. Our guy Michael McAveen down in uh, high A right now for the Cubs. He hasn't thrown in a game since 2019. He finally came back uh, this past month. He's got about seven innings of work so far out in South Bend. It's awesome to see. You know, He dealt with a pretty serious elbow injury. It wasn't Tommy John, but he was out for a long time. Uh, so to see McAveen come back, 
and you know still still be a flamethrower is is pretty fun right now. Uh, we have a couple guys who are on new teams, new organizations. On June twelfth, the Arizona Diamondbacks designated Drew Ellis for assignment. Four days later, on the 16th, the Seattle Mariners claimed him. Uh, Ellis is now a Mariner. He's played in one game with the big league team so far, went one for three, and he's down in AAA right now in Tacoma. Uh, I think that he'll be a swing guy for the rest of the year. Uh, he'll be up and down as the Mariners need him because they still have the luxury of many options on him. So he'll be up and down quite a bit. Uh, Liam Jenkins is now with the White Sox. He was released uh, earlier in June, by the Cleveland Guardians, uh, the next day the White Sox uh, signed him to a minor league contract. He's down in Low A right now at Canapolis. Uh, a couple guys got promoted. Uh, Alex Benellis made the big jump between High A to Double A, and that is always the hardest jump to make for a professional. Uh, so Alex Benellis being there less than a year after he got drafted is very high praise from from the Red Sox. That's that's awesome to see. And, you know, he's struggling a little bit right now, but that's to be expected. That jump from high A to double A is going to be the biggest jump of his career. And uh, second guy who was promoted, we saw another 2021 draft pick, Luke Brown. Uh, Luke Brown is currently in the Pirates organization, made the jump from Bradenton, which is just low A, up to Greensboro. He's now in high A with the Pirates, kind of following the same path as Henry Davis. Uh, right now he's played in a handful of games, picked up a couple hits, and, you know, he's still incredibly fast. So he's definitely a fun watch right now. And a quick shout out to Reed Detmers, even though Reed Detmers was sent down to triple a about a month after his no hitter. Uh, he just threw six innings and struck out 14, including seven in a row. So, uh, that man belongs in big league baseball. So we need, we need Reed Detmers back right now. Yeah, I have no doubt that he'll be back, hopefully, before too long because Reed in Major League Baseball is what we all need and what Louisville fans want to see. I know that. Yeah, uh, that uh, that pitching situation over there in L.A., that's, that's something else. I can tell you right now, I don't think that that's, a, that's Reed's fault for going down. They've got a, a let's just say, under – well under average pitching coach out there who I don't think really knows what he's doing. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully he'll come back and, and shove like like we know Reed Detmers to do. Well, I just want to say thanks for that, Aaron. I know if you don't follow Aaron on Twitter, the Louisville Baseball Alumni Report, that is the place to be to catch up with all things of the Cardinals and the pros. He constantly pushes out content from triple a to major league ball to single a double a if you want to see any of the cardinals and the pros aaron is the guy make sure you hop over on his twitter louisville baseball alumni report and he will keep you up to date with everything all right now we are going to jump over and have luke on like i said before luke has transitioned from playing into his coaching career he is now the pitching coach for the Parkland College Cobras, which is the JUCO that he came, that he pitched at before he came to Louisville. And as promised, we said we were going to have some big time guests on this summer, and we are joined by our first guest of the summer, Luke Smith, who is now in the coaching ranks after spending three years with Louisville. Spent 2019 through 2021 with the Cards. Um, he's a big part of the 2019 run in the College World Series. 
came back um, for 2020, which was the COVID year. Um, everybody know how that ended. And then came back in 2021 for his final playing season before lacing up the cleats and hanging them up and joined the coaching ranks at Parkland Junior College, where he actually played juco ball before he came to Louisville. Before we get started and jump into everything, Luke, uh, how's everything going? Everything's good. I'm just kind of in my brother's uh, travel baseball team, so getting some uh, good family time while, while staying on the diamond has, has been really um and you know, getting to spend some quality time with my bonus of that as well. So everything's good, though. I hear that's always important. Before we jump into things, everybody remembers Luke because, you know, there's been a lot of talent that's come through Louisville, but there's not many that have played the game with as much emotion as he has. So everybody remembers the the famous Luke Smith gif at the Vandy game, which we'll dive into that here in a few minutes. But going back before you came to Louisville, tell us why you why you chose to come here and play for Coach McDonald and Coach Williams. Like, what, what was the draw to Louisville from Parkland? So I actually grew up with Jake Snyder. Um, Snyder was uh, he, he was the uh, hitting coach, recruiting coordinator, and I'm from Champaign, which is where Illinois is. Um, so Jake and I were best friends growing up, hung out, stayed at each other's house all the time. Um, so after my freshman had a successful year, um, recruiting started to open up a little bit. Um, and, and Coach Snyder was one of those guys that called. called. So having the some familiarity and being able to talk to Jake and get a true feel of what Louisville had to offer, um, you know, it really became a no-brainer. And I'm, I'm a huge fan, really important to me, and Louisville only being three and a half hours away, um, on top of being one of the most uh, baseball programs in the country, it, it was a um, – and then obviously getting to spend time with Coach Mack and Coach Williams and picking their brains um, and, and, you know, them trying to all the knowledge I could from those two guys – best decision I ever could have made. It was, I really, really enjoyed my time in Louisville. You know, it's crazy when you look up and down the Louisville roster, past rosters and, you know, players that are going to be coming here in the future, the future recruiting classes, the amount of talent and players that Louisville gets from the state of Illinois. And I think a lot of that is accredited to Coach Snyder just being from the area. So I think um, he gets a lot of the credit for bringing as much talent from Illinois as Louisville has seen over the years. That senior year with Reed, Bobby, and myself as the rotation, three guys from Illinois, uh, that, that part, I mean, we, we all had some pride in that. It was pretty cool to be uh, something we could we could talk about. So, Yeah, it's pretty neat to get to play with, you know, some hometown guys that all moved out to Kentucky and seen a lot of success out on the field. So uh, that we've all loved still around Twitter from time to time. The conversation with Coach Corbin at Vandy about the, the athletic road piece that you and him have talked since then and just just kind of how that went down the relationship that you've developed with him and you know since that the moment in the 2019 college world series i, I received a text message I'll, I'll never forget it i was in a walmart parking lot going in to do some shopping um and i got a text from a random number and the first couple words said hey luke this is coach corbin from vanderbilt <laughs> and i one of my buddies is pranking me is kind of what i thought of at first um but the the message blew me away. Um, he had a video on YouTube of, of the uh, FCA night that Chris Morgan did. Uh, we had a conversation for that. And he reached out and just said he was happy to see that that moment, he, like I wasn't pretty much letting it eat me up. 
there was a there was some time a time beginning when it first happened where the city and the social media recognition you know i thought it was very cool and i loved it and i can't begin to realize that i was kind of that i had never lived before in terms of like caring about that stuff um before omaha i was just a guy that i you know i wanted to take chance i could out there and pitch and then do it again the next day and i kind of got away from myself a little bit in the fall of 2020 after that whole thing happened um <clears throat> and chris morgan was a huge part in kind of been just being more uh you know trying to maintain the same player i was before the whole thing happened um but coach corbin i mean he was it was incredible again he put it all uh reached out out of the kindness of his heart and you know the the respect that when he didn't have to after his team went on to win the national championship. I mean, we're, we're that's it, it, he didn't have to do it. Um, but just the fact that he showed me there really showed uh, a lot. Of and I, I really appreciated it. You know, I think a lot of people across the country have echoed the same kind of sentiments about Coach Corbin. So it's it's good to see that you know from that moment on the field what that has you know the relationship that you all have developed off the field as well. In 2020, uh, we briefly touched on it already. Uh, you shared a rotation with Reed and Bobby, like you mentioned. And while 2020 was cut short, what was that experience like? You know, you're in a rotation with two first rounders. Uh, what were you able to learn from that experience and kind of take away from that now as you're coaching yourself? Well, I mean, I can't wait to tell my kids about it. You know, like I shared the rotation mm-hmm. with a dude that just threw a no hitter in the big leagues and Bobby Miller, who in my opinion, has some of the across any platform of professional baseball. It just, the fact is with the Dodgers is the only reason he's not playing in the big leagues right now. Um, but bounce off those two guys. We, all three of us were so competitive that when Reed had a good start, Bobby wanted to have a good start. And when Bobby had a, I wanted to have a good start. You mix that competitiveness when you can be competitive within your team, especially on a team where, you know, the, the pre-rankings had us number one in the country. And we fully believe that we belonged in that spot. Internal competition with the guys that are as talented as they are, it, it made all of that. You got Kieran and Elliot and all Jared Poland, Tate Keener, Ryan Hawks, Michael Persecki. I mean, the, name, the names go on. And Jack Perkins was out for the year with an arm injury. So the, the talent that we had on that pitching staff, heard of. Um, and the, a lot of that came from the competitiveness that we had on the field room, uh, you know, things like good players to be even better. And, and we saw the rewards of that in the short, in what was that short season. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't like to ask, you know, what could have been, but man, you know, what could have been in 2020? Yeah. We talk about that season a lot. That, that team wasn't going to have to score many runs with the pitching staff that you all had. Absolutely. And, and we, we took pride in that, you know, but and on top of that, we had a real, I mean, I want to say when the C got canceled, we were like eight or nine a game. And with, with the staff that we had and the offense that we had, if you, and, and we really even did it without Benellis and Dunn because those guys were still coming back from they had. And you, you count on guys like mm-hmm. Metzinger and Benefield and, you know, those dudes that stepped up, up into bowls, Timmy Board and Jared Poland, both playing second base. Um, you know, to Coach Mack, they're, they're, our, our motto was next man up. And the next man that came up performed was the guy they were filling the shoes for. So when when that's uh, expectation on the team, man, it makes for a pretty good team. I really wish that that season wasn't stripped away from us because there, I, I firmly believe that you all could have won the national championship that year. I think that was probably the best team that Coach McDonald's had, you know, top to bottom of the lineup. So I just hate that that season was stripped away from you guys. 
Now that you've jumped over into the coaching ranks as a pitching coach at Parkland College, like I said, where you played, sell us on why kids should go the JUCO route. We've seen a lot of elite arms, most recently Dylan DeLucia from Old Miss in the College World Series this year. You did it. You know, we, we've seen many guys that have had a ton of success, even better success they saw at the JUCO level when they get to D1. As a coach, how do you sell – to a high school player to come play JUCO rather than go in the D or go in the, you know, traditional college route? Well, step one is realizing who you are as a player. So as a, as a senior in high school, I knew for sure physically ready to pitch at the division one. Um, so it's the first step is being real with yourself and, and understanding what your talent level is at that given moment. And I th- think people are starting to realize now that juniors isn't a bad route. In most cases, it's better because you're going to see more playing time early, um, you know, where there's there's plenty of freshmores now that go to these power fives at a, as high schoolers and they don't see the playing time they want. Well, then they transfer to some other school. Okay, well, I didn't really get to play there. And, and that's what the transfer portal does. You know, there's, there's good things and there's not so good things that come from it. Um, junior college gives you the opportunity to be drafted after your freshman and your sophomore year. You decide. Um, and then a lot of the school, like Parkland, for example, we have a lot of professors that are just retired from the University of Illinois. So the academic side isn't much different anyway. You get the side of it that allows you to be prepared when you do go to that four-year school and you're not falling behind um, and, you know, saves you a ton of money. There's, there's really the, – the pros definitely outweigh the cons. And But you definitely have to go to a place where developing is at a – that's the, the forefront. Good developing inside a program is going to be pretty good. And that's what Parkland's been, uh, you know, historically. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that the biggest thing is the player has to decide that going JUCO isn't a bad route. You know, a lot of these players get – they see all the social media posts. I've got to go to Louisville. I've got to go to Vandy. I've got to go to Arkansas, Ole Miss, wherever it is. They don't understand that. Take a step back. Go to JUCO. Let your body develop. Let other college coaches see you. And then look what can happen. And and I just don't think enough high school players understand that. No doubt about it. And it's – it's incredibly humbling too. After going two years at Parkland and playing on some of those fields that we, you know, the practice hours that we had, the facilities that we had, and then getting, you know, performing well enough to where you have an opportunity to play at the next level. And I go to a place like Louisville, and everything. Instead of taking a bus without air conditioning, um, you know, the, the <laughs> hotels are much nicer. Like it's everything. You, you get the upgrade, but you worked for it. I also enjoyed the idea of being kind of a leader to the younger guys, and going into that first uh, month of the summer where we came in early, I had a good leadership role. Coach Zach Farrell with Grand Canyon now, I mean, one of the best in the business, if not the best, uh, gave me pretty much free reins on handling those freshmen how we needed to. And these are something I, I like to pride myself on and, you know, being vocal and uh, having high expectations for my teammates. But again, you can't hold your team if you're not going to hold yourself to that certain standard and you know junior college gave me that awesome experience of growing up quicker because as a sophomore leadership role early whereas if you're at a four-year usually the freshmen and the sophomores aren't the leaders of the room um, mm-hmm. so that was definitely for me junior college. so i want to keep uh elaborating here on co- you coaching now back at parkland uh you know i don't think i need to tell people that you brought a lot of intensity to the mound very high energy uh at, in college is that your coaching style now? Are you still very intense or have you kind of toned it down a little bit and been more of a calming presence? That is, I kind of have to, you have to know your players. So 
in my in my case right now, I my the age the age range is not very far. So that is, you know, I'm, I I want to be their friend, but I also want to be respected as their coach. And the group I had this year was awesome. You know, they they did just that. I talk it up at practice about anything that happened, but then when the games came, the flip switched, um, and and the guys performed. Um, but like I said, there's certain players where you can be knows like you got to get this done, you know, be more intense. And then there's other players where you can't do that. And that's kind of the, the teeter totter of trying to figure out how to get the most and individuality in baseball is something that's very uh, like underlooked. I think T- baseball is a team. Every individual does something different to be successful. And that's something that Parkland that we value. Uh, we're not going to make everybody do the, you know, pitchers aren't going to all do the exact same program, uh, weightlifting program, hitters have the same hitting philosophy, stuff like that. Everybody's different. Um, and you, it takes more time. I think in the long run, you get more out of your players. They're able to relate to you more. I, can, I understand how to talk to them um, and not get under their skin or get under their skin. You, just, you kind of have to find that balance. Makes sense. And I think that's, that's a pretty cool way of going about it. Um, so just sticking with coaching now, we talked about it briefly earlier about every, the lessons that Louisville taught you, uh, especially Coach Mack and Coach Williams. Uh, what kind of lessons did you learn from Louisville that you're able to implement into your own coaching style? So I, I kind of had a unique seat to the to watching them coach. Um, the fall year and then the fall of my fifth year. So I was in the other dugout during those fall scrimmages listening to those guys talk to each other. Um, and Coach Max, the brainiac behind base running and infield play. So kind of picking his brain on – you know, coverages, bunt coverages, uh, what what the right counts are to steal bases, is how to how to tell if a runner on kind of like looking for those things. And and one thing that you can ask anybody in that plays at Louisville, what Coach Max says, it's it's, it's incredible. He predicts before the game starts, or he'll say, "Hey, watch this. This is about to happen," and it happens. I mean, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but on those things, and then Coach Williams talking through pitch sequencing, um, you know, figuring out how he reads batters, watching videos and stuff like that on hitters, um, his certain mindset and count, you know, what what pitch to throw and what count depending on what runners are on base. There, there's constant things going through minds, uh, guys, that fascinate me. And being in front seat view um, to to listen to those guys talk about baseball was was pretty cool. And if I'm not, if I couldn't be, if I wasn't playing scenario being in the other dog and those guys uh talk it up louisville has been very blessed with a great coaching staff so that's awesome to hear you know just being a a fan and a media member getting the opportunity to listen to coach mac speak the way he speaks to us i can't imagine just sitting in a dugout listening to him to you know his real self like watching a game and you know before the game like you said talking about what what he what's going to happen and and then you actually get to see it play out just just the the knowledge that he has for the game of baseball is unbelievable. And I, I wish I got to sit on your side to, you know, experience more of that. So I'm sure you got to take a lot from that, just getting to sit next to him during those fall practices. No doubt about it. And that's something that in the moment, you don't really realize what you're listening to, but then you take it in after the game or maybe, a, you know, the next week, the same thing happens again. You're like, okay, oh, hey, coach Mac. Um, but he also knew how to get us, you know, pumped up before games. There was videos that we'd watched in the Omaha room. Um, he, he wanted us to be great ball players. It was more than just about being ball players. It was be, about being great men and respectful um, and, and being prepared. That, that's his favorite word is, is prepared. It, 
prepared or competitive. He loves, um, but that's mm-hmm. it. Those are the guys, you know, it's, he talks about always recruiting the Midwest because Louisville's not the South and he visit. And I quickly realized that <laughs> it wasn't, um, but you know, you get, you bring in those guys from Illinois, Ohio, um, what Mike, Michael Carrion is one of the most ter- terrifying human beings I've ever been around. And he's my roommate. <laughs> uh, uh, dude from Ohio and he comes in and when it's snowing in February, big money, there's no debt. There's nothing, you know, nothing changing. And I unique part, you know, Louisville doesn't need to go nationwide. And yes, you know, we're going to get some dudes, obviously hey, Henry Davis from New York, you know, one of the best ball players I've right. ever been around Son from Panama city that worked out, uh, you know, you get Cooper Bowman from South Dakota. No, I didn't even know South, uh, but you know, all, all those different pieces that you bring guys that, you know, fit the mold of a Louisville baseball player. And, and you, you, that's why I think we all kind of clicked very well and got along. You know, it's interesting you say that because they're not talk a lot about recruiting and stuff and the, you know, Louisville pretty much does recruit the Midwest and they, they really dominate that, that region, this region of the country, just because that's where we're located. And like you said, it's not the South, you know, when you, you can go down South and get players, it's happened before, like you said, with Lucas Dunn, but you know, once you get too far South, there's, there's a lot of big time players down there and you don't want to spend a whole lot of time down that way when you can just literally dominate the Midwest and, you know, look what's happened. I mean, coach Mack has seen a lot of success just focusing on this, you know, geographic area. So it's, it, it's obviously worked out for coach McDonald and the rest of the staff over the last what, 15, 16 years. So I don't think they're going to change their approach to recruiting anytime soon. Yeah. I don't blame them. And you have Ben Metzinger who just, the kid is right. one of the best competitors. Um, you got Drew Ellis from right across the river, Drew Campbell from right across the river, Timmy Borden from right across the river. You know, there's dudes that are right here. And it's funny because every, anytime you watch the draft and some high schooler gets taken, there's a a lot of times that the commitment on that on that dude and you know they they commit mm-hmm. you know they, they recruit the right guys i remember just the just the class that i came in jared kelnick and uh were in that class too you know mm-hmm. so it's you're going to be surrounded by talent and and the coolest part was all the professional guys that come back after their season's over and i watched uh chad green throw a bullpen to will smith with adam duvall in the batter's box that is incredibly fascinating to watch. You know, it's just those type of guys are roaming around the, you know, the facility and it's just, hey, bump fists and you, you move on like it's just another dude. And it's it's a unique thing at Louisville. I love it, man. And, you know, that's not to include the couple guys that just over the past couple seasons, you know, Joe Adele and Dalen Lyle right here from in our backyard in Louisville that, you know, got drafted in the what first, second round and, and signed out of high school. You know, just imagine what the outfield would look like right now with those two guys out there. And that, that's just the past two seasons. You know, you go back even further, just, I mean, the amount of talent that could have come, has come through, but imagine what could have come through here if some of these guys would have showed up to campus. So I think recruiting is going just fine here in Louisville. Yeah, there's very chess for sure. So going back to the coaching, another question for you, just kind of the transition from going – from playing to coaching, how's that been? Like what is, what's been easy for you? What's been challenging? You know, kind of, I'm, I'm sure there's kind of been some bumps in the road. Just how's that transition been for you? I'll tell you what, man. I, um, it's, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Uh, baseball is, it's been a part of my life. I remember walking um, and in this, I, I still have it in me and it, it kind of, it kills me not to be able to go out there and, and pitch against these guys that I'm calling pitches for now. Um, I do get my, I play slow pitch softball now, uh, my fixing the competitiveness and that side of things. Um, I'm on two pretty good teams, so we enjoy that. But um, in terms of coaching, the, the first thing I knew this going in, but subconsciously I, I always think about it, I can't do it for the guys. As hard as I – or as bad as I want to, as bad as I want to go out there and get the outs myself, I can't do it. The sooner I stop making it about me 
and about the players on the roster, it's going to be, it's going to benefit those guys way more. Um, so, so, you know, ways to communicate or, um, you know, some guys are visual learners, some guys list or uh, learn better just listening, um, being able to, again, individual finding guys, which, who, who learns better this way, who learns better this way. Um, but, but I do love still being a part of the game and trying to get hitters out. You know, it's doing it. I'm just not out there throwing the pitches. Um, but it all, you know, you have to recruit the right guys and, and recruit competitors that are, they're mean on the field and, and want to, want to get the guy out just as, and want to win just as bad as I do. And that's tough to find because there's a, there's very few people I think that uh, want to win a game more than I do. You know that's kind of part of the learning curve when you get to Parkland. How bad do you want to win it, and then you know moving from there. I tell you what, I can't describe how much I want to see Luke Smith play some slow pitch softball. That's, <laughs> that sounds like a good time. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> so that kind of it's kind of a perfect segue into the next question I had for you. You know what else have you been up to outside of baseball? You're you know, no longer playing, no longer in college. What has the transition been like from a non-baseball standpoint? Well, it's tough, you know, because you meet all these great people uh, at Louisville, you know, all my teammates in the night of the game, um, and I miss those guys. The I didn't realize, you know, I loved college. I didn't realize it was going to be this hard to let all those people just, you know, not see them every day. Um but uh, like I said, been more so staying busy in that way, um, and then trying to spend more time with family. You know, I don't know how long I'm going to be in Champaign, so just making this time last and catching up with. But um, you know, I wasn't able to be around as much, um, and really, all I do is baseball. I'm, I'm a diehard St. Louis Cardinal fan, so at night, I'll you know, the Cardinals play, um, and when I'm not watching the Cardinals, I'm probably watching something else. And it kills me now that college baseball is over. Cause weekends, I just sat down and watched any anything that. Um, I'm a, I'm a big time movie head and I'll watch any movie. If you got any recommendations, let me know. Uh, just trying to keep my time busy and, you know, hanging out with people while I'm, while I'm around town. I don't know how long it's, uh, I'm going to be in Champaign. So trying to make the most. Yeah. So. I'm uh, I'm here in St. Louis too. So my nights and your nights look pretty similar, you know, watching a lot of Cardinal games that you already touched on my last question I had for you. If you don't follow Luke Smith on Instagram, you need to go there right now. Because every day on his Instagram story, he will post movie recommendations, movie reviews, use a self-proclaimed movie uh, movie buff. What is your go-to movie? What what can you watch over and over again, and it will never fail to be good? Oh, man. Uh, well, I'm a huge mystery guy. The action. Uh, I love any of the James favorite series. Um, Goodwill Hunting is, is, a, is just an all-time great that I think is, in any shape or form, one of or made. Uh, Prisoners, another great movie. Jake Gyllenhaal and Matthew McConaughey are my two favorite actors. So anything with those guys in it. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I do, I'm trying to go every single day with, with a new one. And uh, I'm at day like 57 right now or something like that. And I still got to go through. So I got I got plenty more where that came from. Yeah, I tell you what, I click on it every day. I'm always looking for what, what's Luke Smith's movie of the day going to be. Because I'm not a huge movie guy myself, but there are quite a few that you have put on there that, that I do love. And, you know, it's pretty cool to see, you know, guys like you who, you know, baseball isn't, you know, the, their entire personality. You can go, you know, they're big movie guys, and it's cool to find out that side of them. So if you're a Louisville baseball fan, you need to go follow Luke because he has you covered on movies. Absolutely. I appreciate the shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, got one follow-up question for you about your slow pitch softball. So you, obviously you were a pitcher in college. 
what where where are you on the field now where you obviously you can't strike anybody out in slow pitch softball so what are you doing what what's where can we find luke smith on the softball field uh, you'll find me in center field we actually do a uh, we do a five-man infield and so we okay. put outfielder in and put him in the middle for a rover uh i'm and you know coach mac i i begged a couple times to get me a pinch run uh appearance didn't work out for me. Uh, we had some speed on that team, I guess you could say. But no, I, I play center, um, and it's just a, it's a blast running around. And a lot of my buddies play on the team. My dad plays on it. My brother plays on it. Uh, but actually, my Monday night team, we have not lost a game in five years. So we're pretty much in, wow. in the middle of a diamond right now. Um, <laughs> teams in Champagne here, the kind of nickels is what we call ourselves. So we got we got pretty good squad. We need like an ESPN 30 for 30 on your – Slow pitch softball team on Monday nights in Champagne. Hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Luke, we appreciate you taking some time to sit down and talk some Louisville baseball and talk about the transition to coaching. We know um, know you're going to have a lot of success going forward. Good luck with your brother's team this summer and going forward with Parkland next year. Hey, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate you having me on.